Hi everyone, it's Ricardo. It is a new year and guess what? We've got an exciting new opportunity for the Popping Collars universe. Have you ever listened to us and thought, I could do that? These guys don't even know what they're talking about. Have you ever had an idea for a podcast, but you just didn't know how to get it off the ground? Or have you started working on a podcast just to find that your only audience is your mom and your dog? Well, starting this year, we are beginning a special offering called Popping Collars Plus. Here's how it works. If you've got a podcast that's somewhere in the neighborhood of religion and popular culture, send us your recording and we will possibly host it on our feed, the longest running Episcopal feed of all time with thousands of downloads per month. It's an opportunity to get your voice to a wide audience and get that potential booster shot of listeners that you've always wanted. And we get the benefit of hearing from more diverse voices from around the religious world. So it's a win-win. So if you want to take advantage of Popping Collars Plus, just send an email and MP3 submission to poppingcollarspodcast at gmail.com and we will review your offering and possibly put you on the feed. We're looking forward to hearing from all you creative souls. So keep those microphones humming and keep those collars Pop. I just was thinking, remember MTV in the old days? They cow between videos, they should show these weird ass things that had like puppets and crap in them. Like that two headed girl puppet that like got out of bed or something. Then there was that guy that was like, give me some puppet brown. Or something like that, I don't know. You're more about the puppet brown thing. Do you remember those? The weird ass puppets and all the screwed up cartoons on TV to play between videos? Before that wooden headed Kurt Loder starts showing up every like three minutes to remember how Puff Daddy made nine more albums. Oh, don't get me wrong, man. that's a good thing. I'm down with the family. Tell me who's hot, who's not, who's not, right? Shut up. All I'm saying is I wish they'd show some more weird ass puppets and screwed up cartoons on MTV. Welcome to Popping Collars, podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and popular culture. The longest running Episcopal podcast on the planet. The number one Christmas podcast on Pandora. This is our season. This is our season. In December of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) What did people need? Popping collars. That's That's right. Number one, the number one faith and spirituality podcast that features seminary classmates at Church Divinity School of the Pacific (laughs) (laughs) from the years 2007 to 2010. The number one podcast in my Spotify wrapped listening stats at the end of last year. Number one. Number one. Amazing. Look at all those number ones. Incredible. (laughs) I am your host. My name is Greg Knight. I'm the Associate for Christian Formation at the Church of Bethesda by Sea in Palm Beach, Florida. With me are my co-hosts, the leader of the Lizerati, Liz Easton. Liz, <laughs> what's going on? Hey, Greg. Um, I'm coming to you live from Omaha, Nebraska, where I serve as the canon to the ordinary for the Diocese of Nebraska. It's a cold snap here in Dionab. And I don't know when this will come to air, but it's probably still really cold then too. Mm-hmm. And it's dark and it's um, a little like it reminds you of like Russian literature a little bit. Um, so Ricardo would love it here in the deepest, wow. darkest winter. Wow. Um, so I'm just staying cozy. It's cozy season. Nice. So lots of hot teas. Hot tea, which I'm drinking right now. I've been sleeping with a hot water bottle, like old school, like the rubber water bottle that you fill up with hot water. Mine you have has like a, a knitted cozy mm-hmm. for it. It has oh a cashmere sweater God. on it. And I cuddle oh. with it like it's a feverish husband. Like I'm I'm aware when I when I when I cuddle with it at night, I'm aware that like if wow. human warmth were this hot, it would be a problem you know like we'd be going to the emergency room so it's a little uncomfortable but i've been sleeping great so shout out to the hot water bottle if you live in a cold climate incredible speaking of the dark dark midwinter the president 
of the Charles Dickens Appreciation Society, Ricardo Avila. Oh, Ricardo. Well, I am Ricardo Avila. I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California, where, um, interestingly enough, it's been down in the 30s, which is kind of unheard of in this part of the country. Uh, And uh, apparently it's the coldest weather they've had in 10 years. Mm. I will confess that having grown up in Wisconsin uh, in very, very cold weather, I have lived in California long enough now, which is what, 29 years, give or take five years. I guess, um, where I, I can't handle it. Now, it doesn't help that our, the condo where we live is a bit of a cave, and you kind of have to have the heat on at all times. And when you step mm-hmm. out into the hallway of the condo, you, you need a parka. It's warmer outside than it is in the condo hallway. But that's not very interesting to anyone. Let me just say, <laughs> me just say I feel lucky to live in California. It's a beautiful place to be. And finally, <clears throat> she is the scourge of film bros who tell her that she needs to watch more Coen Brother movies all the time. <laughs> it's Betsy Carmody. Betsy, what's up? How much? Yeah, in the time machine. <laughs> I'm on Christmas break, baby. We are off of school. I finished grading my exams. Nice. But what I'm enjoying with your intros here, Greg, is that... I'm just imagining some t-shirt merch for us. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, we're getting Lizarati. there. I definitely mm-hmm. see kind of a cool mod outline of, like, Liz is on a Vespa. Oh, There's, like, okay. she's got sunglasses on. She's maybe, she might be driving the Vespa, or she's yeah. riding with someone in arms around. Her white, her white. A hot water bottle. With, like, a little, with, like, a little scarf behind with her. Just sweater, with off. a COVID sweater. COVID sweater. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. She's, like, zooming could, off. Could a hot water bottle be driving the Vespa? <laughs> and I'm holding on to the hot yes, water bottle. Yes, you're spooning the hot water bottle. Like, you're the pop, like, the paparazzi are chasing you. Like, splash bulbs, splash bulbs. And then there's Ricardo with his cute out glasses outline with a total, like, top hat, Dickens style. <laughs> Big mm-hmm. scarf around, little snowfall happening. Um, not necessarily like a Cratchit situation, but definitely like in the universe, the okay. Dickens universe. I love it. That would be merch. great. Let's merch. do it. I love merch. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, I'm good. I was just telling my team here, got through, lost my unicorn COVID card. So Ricardo and I are on the same team now. And wow. we're just gonna leave Liz and and Greg in the dust. Um, but feeling good, love science. The booster's great. Everybody should get it. I recommend it as a New Year's um, resolution for everybody. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, overall, doing great. Doing great. Awesome. Awesome. Oh, and I serve as chaplain at the Episcopal High School, et cetera, et cetera. You know, oh. if I leave that statement in about the COVID, Betsy, I think we get mm-hmm. flagged automatically on Spotify. Just because in, in the word COVID way? is in our podcast, yeah. In a good way? Well, it just says, like, learn more about COVID. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm all about spreading the spreading the wealth and the love and the go. info. Absolutely. There you go. Here's the deal. Two years ago, we came up with what seemed like a harmless topic where we would talk about our favorite music videos. And for whatever reason, that conversation and our sequel last year have gone on to be two of our most downloaded episodes of all time for the pod. So we're not going to stop. We're just going to keep going. We're going to keep doing this until you guys have gotten enough. It's time for what's become a January tradition, the 2023 Popping Collars Music Videos episode. You know what a music video is. It's a mini movie set to music. So let's get to it. Let's get to the bag. To the bag. Bag in hand. Am I on camera? I have my document. You are. You are hand in bag. On camera. Prove it to Ricardo. He's a skeptic. He's a bag skeptic. I'm a bag skeptic as well. I have an L for the Lizarati. Our Liz Lizarati. Oh my goodness. Liz on her Vespa. So I know that I have referenced this music video, but it has not been one of the videos that I have picked. But um, I'm taking us all the way back to the seminal decade of the 1990s. Mm, that's where, that's one where of this the podcast most, lives. Yes, that's right. One of the most controversial <laughs> music videos of 1991, which you might never guess. You might think what was happening in 91. Name some like 91 musicians. Oh, I can we can do this because we just had this on our 
on our going on 30 pod gonna make you sweat one of the best songs (laughs) yeah okay boys in the hood Um, boys in the hood very controversial george bush is president george (laughs) well you might not be thinking of the country music superstar garth brooks oh the most controversial video that garth brooks ever created that was banned from country music television and from a lot of other country music networks is the song off his 1990 album, No Fences, called The Thunder Rolls. She's pacing by on the telephone in her faded flannel gown Asking for a miracle, hoping she's not right Praying it's the weather that has kept him out all night And the thunder rolls The thunder rolls, the thunder rolls, and the lightning strikes. Um, so the thunder rolls was a um, country song co-written with the really um, kind of prolific Nashville songwriter Pat Alger, who had earlier written a song called "Like a Hurricane" for Kathy Matea. And I don't know if you all know Kathy Matea. Um, Eighteen Wheels and a Dozen Roses is probably her most famous songs. Anyway, Garth Brooks heard that song. He came to Pat Elger and he said, what if you wrote a song where the premise was that every time this a wife hears thunder rolling, she knows that her husband is cheating on her. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the basis of this narrative song, which is three verses long. And it's about a wife waiting at home in the middle of a storm for her husband to come home, knowing that he's having an affair. Then in... Garth Brooks has done this famously with other songs, especially Friends in Low Places. He wrote a fourth verse that he didn't record. It's not on the single, but he performs it live all the time. So in the fourth verse, the husband comes home and the wife kills him. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's pretty it's pretty violent. And when he went to make the video for that song, he sort of jumped the narrative of the song itself. And he had been hearing from a lot of women fans. One of his um, famous songs at the time was called If Tomorrow Never Comes. And so that title, If Tomorrow Never Comes, women would come up to him on tour and say, I really identify with that song because I don't know if I will wake up tomorrow because my husband reliably abuses me. So the video for this song garth brooks plays the husband so this is young garth brooks wearing like a wig and a beard and the the video is is about domestic violence and um it's the a story of a man who abuses his wife in front of his child and the child watches and it's very violent and so it was just banned from country music television nobody showed it until finally vh1 showed it and as soon as they did um, domestic violence agencies and all kinds of like women's shelters just came forward and said, this is really, really important. And he was able to raise a lot of awareness and raise a lot of money. You know, country music is really misogynistic. Sometimes that misogyny is uh, masquerades as romance. Sometimes it's not misogyny as much as it is simply sexism. But in any case, um, this was an example of Garth Brooks kind of taking a step out and confronting the toxic male culture that is so much of country music's fan base and kind of shining a light on an issue that he knew a lot of women in his fan community and just all over the world were dealing with. And it ended up having a really, really big impact. I'm going to pull a Ricardo. I've got like three things. I've got three after that. (laughs) All right. I'm going to be quiet. Uh, one is, I remember this video. I haven't seen this video in a long time, but the image that comes to my mind is that it's very sort of feels not dissimilar from uh, the Janie's Got a Gun, uh, David Fincher video that Aerosmith did. Like that very sort of dark, you know, kind of you're, you're not Cutting quite away. sure what's happening. Yeah. Oh, there were a lot of satin bathrobes in that as well. There's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of that, yes. Yeah. And then finally, the last point is that... Um, the murder ballad has always been something that's existed in folk music and country mm-hmm. music for a long time. 
like you know obviously johnny cash has a ton of murder ballads in his um catalog that we just kind of are like oh it's johnny cash is neat but i mean he's he's picked up these folk songs and he just sort of carries them forward into his sort of country music generation and so I always sort of thought of this song as in the vein of like one of those murder ballads, but from a, from the perspective of the wife to the husband, which was mm-hmm. the twist because it's usually the man to the woman in the murder ballad songs. Right? Well, and when Pat Alger wrote the song, he first pitched it to Tanya Tucker, you know, who was the child singer who became a kind of rough and tumble woman singer. And I think Reba McIntyre, both. And at that time, they, they, Tanya Tucker's people said, this song is not finished. Like it doesn't feel finished, it, which, you know, now we see how Garth Brooks finished it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so maybe if that, if there had been that fourth voice or that fourth, fourth verse, maybe Tanya Tucker would have recorded it. And then you would have had that song sung from a woman's voice, which would have mm-hmm. been really interesting or is this a genre that wasn't ready for that voice to be in the voice mm-hmm. of a woman mm-hmm. and needed to be in the voice of a man first to then get to where we've gotten now yeah okay yeah. over wow. to you ricardo <laughs> no i you know i i have some blind spots in my pop culture uh knowledge that are about the size of uh, well nebraska let's say <laughs> uh, one of them is not country i know some country music but garth brooks for sure um, all I knew is he was kind of a cute, pudgy singer, was super popular. And because he was country, I kind of wrote him off. But then, yeah, I started hearing all these things about how he's very cool. And, you know, I, what did he have, a, a, a gay niece or a gay sister? Sister. Okay. So I thought I had more questions. But uh, Garth Brooks, he's still around. Is he still putting out albums or what's going on? No. So he retired like twice. He toured. He recently. remarried. He remarried Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood, another amazing country power couple. Yeah, yeah. So they're a great power couple, and he does tour now, but he hasn't. Last year, he had a new single, or two years ago, that was really good, um, and charted really well on the radio. But I don't think it was part of a album. Wow, that's cool. Wow. It's well with <laughs> good job, Liz. We don't Thanks. do CMT very much here. Mm-hmm. And that's a good choice. And Garth Brooks, decade-defining country art mm-hmm. for sure. No, I have reached into the bag and I've pulled out a B for Betsy. Wow, get ready. All right, most of our listeners know if I'm going to brainstorm something before the podcast, my sermon advisor is my mother who is also a clergy person. Mm-hmm. My popping collars coach is my sister. Mm-hmm. So I said, oh, she's like, did you do this last year? I said, yes, I did do this last year and the year before. So this just no end of December. This is where we're going to have this conversation. So the video that I have chosen is from 1989. So we're again, kind of near Liz's video time-wise but but very different genre a time when i mean now people talk about you know beyonce's visuals for her album and like what's happening and no 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 listen these current folks they're amazing they did not create long-form video content that's been around for a really long time we could probably do a whole phd on the origins of long-form videos for albums and some of it is really about that enjoying of an entire album right together and this song this video it is a part of a longer long form video that's about half an hour uh but that it's also a part of a video of the album collection where if i'm looking at it, it is just hits 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 on this album and so the video that i am choosing is janet jackson's rhythm nation oh yeah good so originally released as a 30 minute 
I think they called it like a tele tele music video or telefilm or something. They they had some odd word for it in 1989. It's directed by Dominic Senna. It's uh, all in black and white, and it's a part of a little long form that is called Rhythm Nation 1814, which is actually the name of the album. It was filmed in Pasadena and kind of an abandoned power station situation. And it's all in black and white. And it kind of feels like it's jumping around inside genres. It has some post-apocalyptic vibes. It has antique cars. It has kids in page boy kind of newsy type hats. But it definitely feels like the world is getting, the world is difficult. And it's getting in the way of these two young people in the video um, leading their lives. And so Rhythm Nation is the cap song on the on the whole thing. Um, so it's the third of three songs. The first is Miss You Much and then The Knowledge and then Rhythm Nation. And Rhythm Nation, I think, of the three is the, is the visual iconic, right? So at the end, you've got you know, one of the protagonists, he's really distraught and he's kind of in this warehouse and out comes Janet with her dancers and kind of this military style type garb with like some sort of black and white styled metal insignias and medals and hats and, and all the choreography is just so sharp and so beautiful. And it's just iconic dancing. Like my sister said in dance team, they had to figure out how to do the five, four, three, two. Like they had to do it in the right like way for the, the countdown at the beginning to do those dances. And it's so in sync. And it's it's interesting because they ch- intentionally chose the black and white as a way. Because for her, it was a lot about breaking down color lines. We're all together. This was a song for like socially civic-minded people who were invested in social justice and you know she really saw that us as living you know she's quoted as saying you know we're living in a very visual time that's why my videos are so important before they really weren't but now they really play a major part in what we're what we're trying to do um and she said she was often questioned about why do you wear so much black you know what is this what's going on she said that wearing black shows that for once you can represent something positive and not negative. Um, she really wanted to be black and white to de-emphasize race because she feels that there's people of all different racial backgrounds that are in the video. And she said it really kind of takes away the kind of this and that and you and me. And she wants more unity um, in the in the video. And so I think I had kind of remembered it more and then thinking about it with a 2022 mindset, 2023 mindset, and all that is kind of this call to call to pay attention, call to improve the world, sing it for the babies, sing it for the children. You know, we can be this place where we're actually working together for the betterment of everybody. Fashion, style, dance, musicality. It's just a, it's it's a it's a video that stuck with me as a as a younger person. And it's just still something that I think is so visually striking now. Like I would get well, and I was, I was going to say like sexuality too. Like she, part of what she was doing, which felt kind of transgressive was Mm -hmm. this incredibly powerful self-possessed expression of sexuality coming from a woman and a woman of color, Mm -hmm. which is part of why the later part of her career, the Justin Timberlake fiasco is such a, like additional travesty Mm -hmm. is that ultimately that sexuality was exploited and used to, um, and and her. Well, and she's coming off the control album, right? Mm -hmm. Like she's trying to insert her independence, be separate from family stuff, be separate from, you know, managers or relationships that are controlling her. And that question about wearing all black, somebody said, Oh, do you wear all black because it's slimming? That was the question. Right. Did anyone say that to Johnny Cash? Right. Yeah. Right. Ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. I really like that album, Rhythm Nation. Yeah, me too. It's such a good album. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And yeah, it's so good. Um, yeah. I, I, I missed that Janet Jackson. It does feel like something happened along the way or, or like she, something, not from her necessarily, but you're talking about, I don't know how influential that Justin Timberlake thing was. With her career, oh, so huge, huge. I mean, it was the the end. completely off track. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Absolutely. Why? I mean, it wasn't her fault. Exactly. It was not her fault, but she was the one that got blamed. So yep. when the FCC was getting complaints about what was aired during the Super Bowl halftime, she was the one that was pinpointed as the problem, not Justin Timberlake and not anything else that happened in the halftime shows, all put on Janet Jackson. Like she was going against the FCC and the NFL's strict control of her performance, which. Right. You know, you understand, but Justin Timberlake, he, it was his mistake and it's an embarrassing mistake. It's a mistake. Or if it was a decision, nobody stood together on it either. Right. Like it was like, oh, well, I'm out. Right. Fade into the hedges like Homer Simpson. Leave her there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Rhythm Nation. And so the, I, I, um, you know, she called it 1814 because that's the year that Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem. Mm hmm. And so she really saw Rhythm Nation, the song and the and the song itself specifically, album in general, as being this this could be a new national anthem for the country. Like this is where we should be nationally. Hmm. Which I think is interesting. I, I love Rhythm Nation. I love Janet Jackson. I was first in line to be super excited when Janet Jackson was the Super Bowl halftime show. And I loved that performance, even with all of the stuff that happened because she played black cat during the Super Bowl halftime show. And I love that song. Um, So I'm all on board with the Janet Jackson thing. I, when I think of rhythm nation and this is probably like, because control rhythm nation, like all of that feels like it's of a piece like, mm-hmm. I always feel like she's being very crafted. And I don't know, like, when her producers, like, because she's working with, like, Jimmy Jam, like, Jimmy around Jam that and time. Yeah. And she's being, yeah. And so her image is being very specifically crafted. And when she breaks free from that is when she sort of expresses her sexuality more in, like, All For You. Um, Velvet Rope was, like, a big one sort yeah. of coming out for her, I remember as an album and it's like yeah it's almost kind of like mariah carey like i always think of janet around this time as like mariah in the early 90s of like very controlled you know very manufactured and then once she was able to express her own self musically it was like a whole different like it was like a whole different thing and it was almost like It doesn't it doesn't negate rhythm nation. I love rhythm nation. I love control. But there's also another side of her artistry that I think gets expressed later on in her career, which I think is lovely too. You know, so it's interesting that she does take you on this album journey of her own. I mean, yeah. nothing is called the emancipa- emancipation of Janet, right? Mm-hmm. Like 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 Mariah gets to do. Mm-hmm. But you but get, you know. Beyonce sort of embraces it when she does the halftime show and she does like the sort of rhythm nation. Yes, gear, the right? kind of Black Panther mm-hmm. style. And, and <coughs> yeah, she formation, gets flamed as a result. That. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets flamed as a result for having like militant like mm-hmm. uniforms or something during a halftime show. And it's like, what are we doing to these women? Mm-hmm. You to know, black, and to black women. black women. Yeah, exactly. Women. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway. Good choice, Betsy. Yeah, Betsy. Uh, shout out to Janet Jackson's album called Janet with like the period after it. Oh, yes. That song Throb. Oh. oh. Dance to that. She's such an icon. She is. No, no. <laughs> All right. I've reached Video into the bag. Winner. No. I can't wait really quick. Oh, just think about a Janet Jackson biopic. In like, cause you think of like her childhood. Oh yeah. Oh, just my God. Do you think something tragic would happen? Because Whitney's got hers this year, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. I think of Whitney and Janet as contemporaries. Mm-hmm. So it's Different like, genres. does it require something tragic? Well, like Tina Turner had a biopic. Yeah, that's true. And it, I mean, the tragic things happened in her life, but she's still with us. God bless her. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, reached into the bag and it came up R for Ricardo, a mm. resident our um, curmudgeon music <laughs> video fan. R for <laughs> 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 all right. He just left. <laughs> Audience, he just left. Just okay. left the room. 
Oh, he's back. Oh, you know, I don't know what to say. I when MTV came, so MTV debuted on my birthday, August first, nineteen. Was it eighty or eighty one? And so I always thought, well, I should, I should have liked this. But everybody had cable, and I we didn't, and so I never got to see those things, and I never really caught up with music videos. I never, it wasn't just part of my life, and so, you know. I just I've been doing these searches to try to choose a song and um you know one of the best music videos ever and there's some great songs mm. but I don't know the videos you know mm. <laughs> and I've watched a few videos not in this time but you know previously and um they're they're pretty arresting um but I don't you know I, it's not a genre for me I listeners who are out there downloading this god bless you uh <laughs> not know you uh, <laughs> or if i if i do make yourself known so i, I think i'm just going to ask siri oh well okay okay it's like this, a little siri roulette this is amazing this is like a siri selection well we'll, we'll help you we can all we can kind of crowdsource the okay uh, i mean I, I, have four, I have four choices i could think of off the top of my head but none of it is very like exciting to me i mean i think they're great videos so I may just sort of revert to that. But let's see what Siri says. Hey, Siri, what's the best music video ever? Hmm. I don't recognize this song. <laughs> mm, let's try again, Siri. Hey, Siri, what is the best music video ever? It, se- it, it sends me to possibilities. Is, oh. I would have guessed. What would your guess be for? My guess would have been Thriller. Mm-hmm. My is- guess would be Thriller. That's the number one choice of Time Out magazine. Ooh. Uh, indeed, you are right. Uh, uh, the number two choice of Time Out magazine was one of my four possibilities. I'll hold that in check. I'm going to do try one more thing. Hey, Siri, what is your favorite music video ever? I like anything with a bagpipe. Oh, Siri. Oh, Siri. Hey, Be serious. Siri. Come on. Siri, seriously, what's your favorite music video? I always enjoy more cowbell. Oh, Siri. What oh, a joke. Siri's, Siri's not going to go there. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Siri. I got to say. Okay. Siri's, so Siri's Siri. getting kicked off the pod. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, hmm, all right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to name the four and I'm going to pick one. Mm-hmm. Okay. We'll crowdsource it for you. Yeah. So the always whenever I think best music video that I actually personally know and love, I think Sledgehammer by mm-hmm. Peter Gabriel because it's yes. so fun and the dancing chicken that spins and you know. And then often I'll think of um, the number two choice from Time Out Magazine, which is Madonna's "Like a Prayer." Mm. Because, Great video. Yeah, to me, that video was. It was sexual and religious, and that was sort of a little conflation that I, you know, had in my life that I struggled with. Uh, and there she was, kind of doing that thing. Uh, but, but in some ways, it's more the song for me uh, than the video. Um, and then the other two choices: one I came across when I was doing best of last year, trying to find something. But it's so it's kind of intense, and so I don't feel like I can do it justice if I try to talk about it. And that is um, This is America by Childish Gambino, Oh, which is kind of, it's pretty intense. And I, I feel like if I were to talk about it, I should know more about it. Great but I've seen it and it's riveting <laughs> and, and scary. But the choice I would give, I can't give. This, is, this one I love. <laughs> Sorry, I'm throwing it all out there. Uh, I just recently saw this. William showed it to me. It is called... It's called Lydia the Tattooed Lady by Groucho Marx from the 1939 movie At the Circus. Um, but I think Greg showed us that that is really inappropriate uh, to choose what? something from the movie. <laughs> no, he did it last time. <laughs> I picked the um, Steve McQueen movie. It's great. Ricardo, I think Like a Prayer has a lot going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> we were to that's, my kar- that's my karaoke song. It's one of the only songs that will get me on the dance floor at a wedding. 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That and people and, think it's um, funny because you're a priest and they like that. They and you talk it's about more like with my girls, you know what I mean? Like you like yeah. that's the song you dance with your girls. And with. this was a very pivotal moment in America where capitalism met religion and Catholicism. And oh, yeah. like, you know, that whole mix of, you know, the Pepsi and the Catholic Church and Madonna and like that was a whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about like a prayer then. <laughs> for my choices in gray. And I'm going to say that every three seconds so that you have no choice but to... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, so thing, I just, I'll just say a general thing because I don't have a lot to say about like a prayer. I would say like videos like This Is America, they really make you think or really kind of shock you and give you this kind of, I don't know, brutally realistic perspective while oddly enough sort of being entertaining also uh, is... Uh, is is interesting and and i wonder if other forms uh you know because it's so punchy and within like three and a half four minutes uh the impact is so immediate i guess a longer form of tiktok but um maybe more full like a prayer was released by madonna on her like a prayer album in 1989 i you know i love the lyrics i i mean the, the video was controversial because uh Gosh, what, why was it coming? Because it had black Jesus, I think, coming down off a cross. And there was a choir of singers. And and did she have some sort of um, um, suggestive something with the female choir director? Like they were. They well, might... she, was, she was down with the Jesus. She was down with Jesus. Okay. Yeah. And there's flaming crosses in it. And like she and Pepsi had done this whole agreement. Prior to seeing any visual content, that is so badass. Isn't wild, <laughs> yeah. Isn't that and wild? And they what... they did this huge like release of like, and oh. now the Madonna Pepsi presents <laughs> the new Madonna video. And they like, never seen so it. Great. Never saw it. Oh, oh that's my awesome! God, that's so cool. And then they showed it before it was released i think they did they they had agreed to the whole arrangement didn't had not seen the finished project when they agreed i don't think they released it and did the big run-up with with out having seen it and then that was the stutter stop they didn't want to do it anymore <laughs> they didn't want to be involved but yeah so here's something we're still badass still badass right right something from time out magazine their number two choice uh of best video ever burning crosses stigmata saintly seduction it's not hard to see why this 1989 music video caused a bit of a stir. Uh, directed by Mary Lambert, who directed both Pet Cemetery films. It was condemned oh. by the Vatican, banned from Italian television, and prompted Pepsi to abandon its five million ad campaign featuring the song. I know, let's do a song. <laughs> they have no clue. Um, a striking examination of race and religion. The video may not have been great for pet- peddling soda, but it definitely helped Madonna on her way to becoming a pop deity, one who definitely knew how to push the world's buttons. So that's from Time Out Magazine to give them credit. Yeah. Um, you know, just personally speaking, this was 1989 and I was 23. And so I was I was kind of out by then. I started coming out at age 21. And so this sort of song where religion and sex kind of intertwine was was really cathartic for me because I, you know, I always thought, as I've said before on the podcast, I think sex was over here and religion was over here and neither the twain shall meet because one is sin and one is good, you know. And so not to say that Madonna cured me of that, but um, it was kind of, it felt healthy and right to see, well, se- sexuality in a religious setting, you know, and I, I, I found it affirming. Um, mm-hmm. So. 
One story I will tell you is I was in a band in, in, in Madison, Wisconsin, and we were actually locally well-known. Uh, what was the name of your band? You're going to ask that. And what did you play or what did you do? <laughs> okay. And so, what did you wear? I uh, want all those answers. Okay. <laughs> I, I, so this I, is I, like, I have five things. <laughs> five, five things. <laughs> um, I did not name the band, but we were called the Merkins. And uh, a Merkin. Do you oh, know okay. Well, we know. We know what a Merkin is. Yeah, we were aware. Well, back in 1993, most people did not. Um, so, and I won't explain it here, but uh, we were. Google called- it, <laughs> listeners, but don't do it from work. That's right. Um, and so it was basically a bunch of college friends, post college, but still living in Madison. And it was anything up to like nine people. And if we were to define ourselves, it would be like bluegrass funk, which sounds really corny, but was actually really fun um, and kind of innocent. You know, it wasn't, you know, but uh, I played baritone, which is like a smaller tube and a little bit of trumpet and a little bit of guitar. And I got to sing lead. Uh, There were also accordions and violins and uh, bass, electric basses, uh, electric guitars, uh, piano. So it's just, I mean, it's just like this ridiculous stuff how and fun one of uh, yeah annie annie childs hi annie she uh she had a book of her violin book and it was all these old old timey bluegrass kind of country songs and so we took we took some of those melodies and wrote lyrics for them and one was called crazy creek and we came up with a song called crazy creep and it was it was dumb but it was clever and we packed the bars you know, with nine people, if everyone invites three friends, you know, <laughs> 30. Um, it's like a super group. It was like a super group. Yeah. It's like the traveling Wilburys, um, <laughs> but not. So the prequel to the Merkins was me with a couple of friends who were eventually in the Merkins with me. And I said, the Memorial Union, which was on campus, um, has open mic night. Let's sign up. I've always wanted to sing some songs. And they said, we'll back you up. And Like a Prayer was one of them. And so I went and I did it and I gave it my all. And I totally sexied it up in a past life. Dear listeners, I'm a priest now. But I will say it it, it brought the house down. We got a standing ovation because the song, I think, because it was so cathartic for me, I was able to just be on stage with like 200 people in the in the union just drinking beers and stuff. And something about that song really brought out the the kind of the, the primal in me. And so, you know, so Like a Prayer is a real part of my history. It's the first standing ovation I've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. I would say I probably have had have been responsible for like four in my lifetime. I mean, that's just the first part. Life is a mystery. I mean, it's it's sort of philosophical if you uh, don't if you squint. Yeah. Everyone must stand alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hear I you. Hear call you my call name. my name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is a really religious song. It is, you know, and like the the conflict that you experienced, Ricardo, with sex and religion clearly is a conflict that a lot of people experience. Otherwise, that song wouldn't have hit such a nerve. And um, it's a really beautiful, like the lyric, like it's hard for me to hear the song without seeing the video in my mind, which is fine because it's such a um, beautiful video. But it, I almost wonder like what it would be like to not have that, those visuals kind of manufactured for me because it right. is, it is really such a, it's a great pop song for starters, but also it's the, it's profound. Like the words are pretty meaningful. Yeah, I mean, it's a gospel choir. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's taking you to church as much as Madonna can try to do, right? I still don't know why this was a song that Pepsi was like, this is going to sell some cola. Weird. Right. <laughs> Regardless choice. of having a visual, right? Like, this is just... Because, I mean, much of the other... I like to teach the world to sing, whatever. Like, there's, <laughs> there's other things that could sell cola a lot better than the song. It's so interesting that the three songs we've chosen are all from the same time frame. Mm-hmm. I know. And I just yeah. not to get too religious on you, but I mean, there is like among, you know, th- theologically, there is an argument that our desire for sexual intimacy with humans is an expression of our desire for intimacy with God. So, 
you know, and for that's a helpful and holy way to think about desire, to frame it and to um, put it in its rightful place. And it's also a helpful way to think about prayer and longing for the Holy One, you know. So in a sense, like, yeah, it's a pop song and it's um, controversial, I guess. But at its core, it's a really kind of um, basic. When you hear some of the writings of church, early church fathers and mothers. Oh, man. Was it Julian? of? No, Who was it who had the orgasmic mystical experiences? Well, St. Teresa of Avila had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm I tell about. you that I've seen the Bernini sculpture of her and mm-hmm. um, hot, hot, hot. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing, right? So like this is Madonna sort of going into like justify my love, right? Which is going to be like right. right after this. But that's the thing that always came out about her videos at that time was how embodied they were, right? Like mm-hmm. everything in like a prayer, it involves like her body doing stuff and then like once you get to justify my love and then you get to like the fincher videos with like um what is this not vogue what's the one where she's like pouring the milk down her back and like oh um um yeah just this evocative imagery of like how she uses her body how her body's on film how she interacts with other bodies and you know you're totally right liz like that's something that we talk about in church all the time incarnation like this you know god you know emmanuel god with us this idea of like this embodied deity and yet we have no way of talking about bodies whatsoever the eucharist this incredibly sensual experience of taking the body of christ into your own body I'm doing this Christmas pageant. My Christmas pageant will have happened by now where these kids, you know, enact this wonderful little thing that looks nothing like childbirth or human, how humans arrive into the world at all. Right. Like we just don't, we just can't process it. I think as a church, especially the Catholic church with this video at the time, it would have been willing to watch her as an artist work out all that on the outside her catholicism you know she's the one who started wearing you know rosaries necklaces and like you know i mean it's a whole fashion trend of well her name her you know her stage i mean absolutely right and working that out to then move into you imagine a ray of light madonna yeah and this kind of like kabbalah like what you know like she is playing out this spiritual journey which everyone could easily because madonna gets tagged with it all the time of being contrived and composed and 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 orchestrated you know i would uh maybe i'm pollyanna i I choose to look at it as as one person trying to go on some sort of journey so i have three things to say about my own thing (laughs) okay i was i was gonna move on but all right no Uh, first of all, you don't have to put those other three choices in the podcast. That's fine. I don't care. Uh, secondly, I just want to call back uh, or say another part of the, the lyrics of the song. Um, and I, th- I do. I think it's, it is. You're right, Liz. Uh, there's a religious undertone. Like a child, you whisper softly to me. You're in control just like a child. Now I'm dancing. It's like a dream. No end and no beginning. You're here with me. It's like a dream. Let the choir sing. You know, that idea of God's presence in our lives, let yourself go and be like a child in the presence of God and dance. And uh, God has always been here and will always be here. And it's like a dream, you know, merrily, merrily. Yeah. So and, and then the third thing I'll say is the last thing I will say. And, you know, whether or not we, you know, we can see her as being cynically, uh, you know, uh, magpie like with all the different religions. I think the fact that she has this had this constant kind of. I don't know, interest in spirituality and religion and faith. I mean, you can only fake that so much, I think, you know, I I think that part of why that was up in her music so much is that she really had this, she, it was a gift. It was, it was a, it was an interest and a, a fascination that she put to good use and brought into the mainstream, you know? And, and so you, you can't, I don't think you can fabricate that. All right. Wow. Like a prayer. Awesome. Thanks, Ricardo. Yeah. We finally found your video. <laughs> I love this. We, we should crowdsource your video next year, too. <laughs> Maybe we will. Okay. Uh, so I will close this out 
And uh, I wish I could say that my video is from 1989, 1990, but it is not. Um, I'm I'm going to jump ahead in time about 20 years. My video is from 2011, and it is uh, not uh, someone who has already performed at a Super Bowl halftime show. It's someone who's going to be performing at the Super Bowl halftime show this year. It's Rihanna with We Found Love. We Found Love by Rihanna is kind of like house music. I mean, it's it's, uh, electronic music. It's DJ music. It's very like a lot of vibes. Right. So it's a it's um, it's a dance song. Uh, But the video is sort of features her and a young man. And it's eerily a little reminiscent of some of the stories that were kind of, I think, close to um, how the public understood her relationship with Chris Brown. Um, a little bit of like these two people kind of being pulled together, but the what resulted from them being together uh, was n- not very good, um, resulted in abuse and violence and all of this stuff. And I think that this video has a lot of sort of Rihanna trying to process some of that relationship. But this is a very sort of frenetic video. So like I said, it's electronic music. So everything's cutting really fast and everything's moving really fast in the video. If you think to yourself, like, it feels a lot like train spotting um, in this sense of like everything's very kinetic and everything's very moving. Um, there's drug use, there's sex, there's like running around creating messes in grocery stores. You know, it feels, it has this feeling of being very twenties where it's like um, you're in your early twenties and you're just, you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next And you're barely aware that there are any consequences to it all. And that's kind of like the vibes that come off of this video. And yet it has this, just like the Thunder Rolls kind of is, like there's this storm element that happens in the video. And you realize that, no, there are consequences to some Mm. of this sometimes. And there is a dark side to some of this sometimes. And that's like the video plays with, sort of the ecstasy that comes with no responsibilities and also the pain that comes with living a life of no responsibilities. Mm. And so um, it's just, it's a really powerful little four minutes. And I think that uh, unlike Ricardo, who I think struggles with the genre, I actually love the genre because I feel like you have to, what a music video requires is to pack a lot of emotion into a very small space of time. So everything feels very concentrated. And I think that's what I like about this video is that the emotions that come out of it, it feels very raw because everything's sort of forced into a four minute time frame. And so I watched it again recently and I was like, this is great. I want to talk about this. So we found love by Rihanna is my pick. It looks like euphoria. I have not looked at this video and I can't even tell you how long, (laughs) but it looks like, it looks like the movie kids. Yeah. It reminds me of that. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, yeah, it's it's not dissimilar. Yeah. I mean, listen, we've been talking, Ricardo's talking about his past, you know, like it's not dissimilar from what, you know, my early 20s would have looked like this. I mean, yeah, this idea of like, I don't know, like anything can happen. Like it just depends yeah. on what friends come over that night and who knows where the night's going to take you and stuff or just the intensity that you feel sort of these young relationships with and you're like oh my god this person is my world and and you know 
maybe that level of codependency isn't that great. And maybe what it is that they're requiring of you isn't perfect, you know, and you, but like you, you can't see anything beyond them and stuff. It's like, it feels, it really captures that vibe of like, you know, what that 20 to 25 year frame looks and looking back on it now as someone 20 years older, who has all those sort of family responsibilities, you're like, Oh my gosh, really? Like that's life. But when you're in the when you're in it, when you're in the moment, it just feels glorious, right? And painful at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. And danger is kind of lurking. Yeah. Whether or not you can see it. I've never seen this music video, but one of my favorite things is that um a friend of mine met her husband in seminary. They met and fell in love there and got married right after. And um she cross-stitched him a pillow that says we found love in a hopeless place that has her seminary seal. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Isn't that great? That's pretty great. (laughs) Seminary not to be named. Exactly. I'm not going to name the seminary, but you can guess it's not one that we went to. Um, And also just really quickly about the video, kind of like yours, Liz, uh, this one was banned, I think in, France um and like it was it was like it could only be shown on music videos like late at night or something like that and Greg you and I have danced together the song because oh, my strongest memory of this song is my When have you guys gone dancing? My sister's wedding reception. Oh. And Greg helped perform the wedding. Nice. I hope I hope she I hope she sings it at the halftime show. I think it, I think she will. I think it will be one of those. Yeah, she's got to. Yeah, I send it out to the team that's losing at that point. Is that what she's going to do? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and she's got to do umbrella. I mean, yeah, umbrella definitely. Yeah, yeah, and that's already. And if she'd released an album in the last however long, she would have done something from that. But we have really, really don't do so. You know, I love you, Riri. (laughs) <laughs> um i just i i do i love this song i don't know that much rihanna i basically the two songs you just mentioned are the two i know but um that part of the song where it just keeps getting kind of ampy I mean, right. <laughs> and then it explodes and that's of course we are the dance where you just jump up in the air <laughs> oh it's kind of a perfect song. It's really uh-huh. great. And and the way that the video uses that, right, is like as it's ramping up, that's when the drug use starts to go pretty crazy, right? And so it's like it's dilating pupils and, uh, you know, all of this stuff. And then like it, it like cuts to the dance floor and everything's kind of like surreal and stuff moving around. So, wow. Yeah. I haven't seen this video till about one minute ago. Uh, <laughs> Me neither. Yes. And um, it, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean, you're saying this reminded you of, of growing up, and I'm a little nervous about that for you. But <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I've engaged in some of this behavior, but like, you know, certainly, yeah, there were some questionable decisions that were made at some points in my life. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Hey, everybody, you're saying it's a, it's on a spectrum. It's on a spectrum of behavior. <laughs> I'm imagining it's meant. It's so stylish, you know, like they're. They're all dressed all hip and they're dancing and then they're in the parking lot doing donuts and they're stealing things from the grocery store. And, um, but I don't know, I guess I'm an old soul. I'm a Charles Dickens enthusiast. And all of that is just like a turnoff. Oh, they're so messed up (laughs) as opposed to, wow, what a great life. I don't know. Um, And I'm imagining that's not what they meant. No. Yeah. I think, I think I see it as like a mix of both. I think I see it as like, oh, man, it looks so great to be free. And, oh, no, these people are doing horrible things and are being very selfish and are being, you know, and are being very destructive. And so I think that it's I think that you're supposed to feel both at the same time. Again, it's it's I think it's a testament to the genre itself that you're able to because you you don't have a long time to sort of explore these things. So it's like, how do I convey what it is that Janet Jackson wants to say in an image and a dance routine, right? But it says more. And the same thing with Rihanna with this video and Thunder Rolls and Like a Prayer. It's all like, how do you say something specific, but you use these sort of concentrated images to do it? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I think I think the church can learn a lot from that. Like we tend to be we tend to go a little long, and we should probably focus a little bit more. <laughs> kind of condense. When we get so out. nervous though about our big tent and wanting things to appear this and that, and oh, but let me just explain this a little bit more for you. Mm-hmm. But what I found is the things that are most impactful are just these declarative statements. We had a Buddhist nun come and, and offer our Vespers talk in October. And it was much shorter than our Vespers talks normally are. But what she talked about and the way she did it, you know, she said, these are the two things that I wish that yeah. I had really heard more of when I was in high school and living in the Seattle area and exploring Buddhism. And, and so she just, she, she laid them out and these just totally concise. And I had the, the, our, our counselors coming up to me, like I've referenced in demos talk, like with three kids since Wednesday and I had done the same. And it's like that conciseness when we're able to really nail it is super powerful. We have a tendency in the Episcopal church to kind of, um, well and make what we believe sound like it's not that important (laughs) but you don't have to believe it either and sometimes that looks like apologetics which is definitely like a sign you know an avenue of theology but it's not for everyone to engage with and I think as I grow as a preacher and just as a Christian I've learned that a sign of spiritual maturity is being able to make those declarative statements without relying on the explanation of why, why it's okay for you to believe this too, or why I don't believe it, but to just claim, claim my faith, you know, Mm -hmm. and our faith, the faith is ours. And that um, as a younger preacher, I didn't feel confident doing that. I think because I wasn't as experienced, of course, but also because I myself was not as mature spiritually. For me, I feel like my sermons have to be sidling up to faith and say, Uh hey, this story happened and then they learned a thing and that means Jesus was there. And so it is a little bit of like trying to talk them into it as opposed to just like enough. This is what's important. So, yeah, I think I think you're right. We we embellish uh to, well, I'll just speak for myself. I sometimes embellish to make up for my lack of, um, um, I wouldn't say faith, for my lack of um, clarity and forthrightness around faith. I am a little, I do get a little embarrassed. But yeah, people, timid. In pews, people in the pews are often ready to hear it. I mean, they mm-hmm. want to be there. Lots of people don't come to church, you know? So the ones that do must want something that they mm-hmm. can have. I, I remember as early as, as recently as like last year, writing an entire beautiful, beautiful, if I do say so myself, Good Friday sermon. I mean, I like got in there. I like told this aspect of the text. I was like, oh my, this is so beautiful. Realizing pretty late in the game that I did not mention Jesus dying. Wow. And it was Good Friday. <laughs> like people were coming to church for a reason. And when I started working on it, I started getting into all these theologies of atonement and stuff. And then I was like, what if, what if I just, you know, go there? Like this is a, so it was so humbling. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus died for you. So yeah, more music videos in church. More music video mentality. Yeah. All right. We did it. Yay. We did it. Are you not entertained? You have another music video episode. (laughs) You love it. We give the people what they want. That's right. Right. Longer than three and a half minutes, but hey, we are pandering. Okay. That's it. (laughs) Another episode of Popping Collars in the Books. Let's run down our social media. We don't have any. If you find a Popping Collars account on Insta or Twitter, it's either not us or it has a post dated back to 2018. So, Feel free to enjoy that time capsule if you'd like. So how can you get in touch with us? Well, you can write us a letter. It's fine. Mail it to one of our churches. It's fine. Yeah. You can mail it uh, to the Diocese of Nebraska. I'll receive it. Fax machines. I still have a fax machine at work. You can fax me. As do I. Mm-hmm. Wow. We've also started using a new form of technology. It's called electronic mail. If you use <laughs> that option, then you can hit us up at poppingcollarspodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, we tried to find a long and confusing email address. So there you go. 
poppingcollarspodcast at gmail.com. We want you to put in the work to communicate with us. You can also find us hanging in the closed cafe of episcopaljournal.org. We love them. You will too. Check them out for all your Episcopal news and journaling needs. And with that, that is Popping Collars for this time. Thank you, Ricardo. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Betsy. We will see you next time. And keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. There's an account called Popping Bottles and Collars. Oh, popping weird. bottles and collars. Popping bottles and that's collars. That's not us. It's not us. So you have not, you haven't shut down our social media. Oh, thing. no. I don't think so. He's trying to. <laughs> yeah, I'm still an administrator on the Facebook page. I don't want to visit Popping Collars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to marketing, Greg. That is not a good uh, venue for you, I think. <laughs> Yeah.